What's up, everybody? I'm here with my old friend who I haven't talked to in a while, which means we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Who are you? What do you do? My name is B. Abel. I'm a rapper. I'm a singer. I'm an instrumentalist who plays the tenor sax, soprano sax, bass clarinet. And you're also, a ma you have a master's degree. Yes, I'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up, man? How have you been? You've been making music. You just moved into an apartment. How's life? Life has been wonderful. You know, um, I always, life takes many different turns. Life takes many, um, you know, it's, life is just life. And for right, and for right now, I'm just living and learning just like everyone, everyone else. Um, for terms of music, I'm still making, making music. I have an album coming out that's probably gonna be released in 2021. You're gonna be on it. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> First time hearing about this. I'm so, totally in. So it's gonna be, so it's gonna be great. I have a manager now, so I'm, so we're just trying to get more content out there to see if I can really get some publishers going my, going my way. I'm performing this Friday in Union. You're more than welcome to come, Glenn. And yeah, that's basically what I've been doing. I've been working at um, my job as an accountant. So that's, so that's been going well. So life's been pretty good so far. So a little background on how we know each other. We used to, when I was a rapper back in the day, we used to perform at a lot of the same shows. We used to do Mad Minds, uh, pre-pandemic, of course. And uh, we even have a song together called Too Sweet about uh, really just using the Too Sweet uh, Bullet Club mantra. And, and I, I love this song because it's kind of just a, about life being too sweet. You and I have both had some struggles with mental health. So it was really important for me to do a song like that, especially with you who has been my friend for a long time, and it was just really nice to do. It was superb to do. I remember that recording session we did with Tom Jacobs, and we really just got into it. Like, we really just, like, dug deep into it. We used a lot of WWE references, so it was a fun song. Um, my cousin Anwar likes it. It's one of my favorite songs. It's on Spotify right now, um, Too Sweet. That's me, Be Able, featuring Big Ears Glenn. Yeah, I, I've been out of the music game for a little bit. I had that EP come out earlier this year, uh, American Soundtrack. But listen to, listen to Be Able's song, uh, Too Sweet, and listen to his other music because he's really talented. Avatar is like such a fun song. When you used to perform, <laughs> I'm, I'm the Avatar. I'm the, I'm the Avatar. I'm sorry if I got that wrong, but it's so fun. It's I'm the Avatar. I'm the freaking Avatar. Yes. I'm the Avatar. <laughs> I'm the freaking Avatar. I loved it, dude. All right, so this album coming up, what's it about? Like, what are you doing on it? What kind of, what's the theme? All that stuff. Well, the album is going to be called The Definition. It's after my first song that I ever did. So it's going to be my debut album or EP. I haven't decided what's it going to be, be just yet. But um, it's going to be a whole mesh of songs. You're, it's going to be mostly hip-hop but I plan to have some spoken word poetry. I do have, it's gonna be me playing my three instruments. It's gonna, it's gonna involve, you know, some inspirational tunes, some tunes, some love songs, as you know, 
as you know, um, just a compilation of stuff. What, what I used to love that you would do is you would come to these hip hop shows and you, you'd dress differently than everyone else. You know, you have like the fedora on and like a nice, you'd be wearing like nice clothes. Like we'd all be wearing kind of just like stuff teenagers would be wearing, even though we were like in our early twenties, but you would be dressed really nice and you would come with a saxophone and you would rap and play the saxophone. It was just so fun. And I miss watching you perform and I know you're performing in union. I'm not sure that I'll be able to be there, but I will be posting about it in my story. This will be out after this. So I'll, I'll post about it on Instagram for you to help get some people out. And yeah, man, I just, I miss performing with all you guys like Kirk and um, Ray Bentley and I got in a little bit of a thing. It's mostly my fault, I think, but I, I miss him too. Like I miss Samad. I miss all you guys. It, it's sad that we're not having all the shows that we used to have. I know um, pandemic really hit us hard in the United States and you know, outdoor shows are still a thing. And Friday in Union's gonna be one of one of those shows that's gonna be outdoors. It's um, the Rock and Joe Cafe open mic that I'm going to. Um, I miss the Mad Minds takeovers. I miss Best of Essex. So we, so I know that, you know, those shows are not happening right now but they are going to happen like in the near future. I've been talking to Turk, like he's been wanting to do something like some music event. It's, I know it's eating him alive. Yeah. It's been eating me alive, alive too, because music is for everyone. And that's how music brings people together. So when these music events occur, it's like I'm communicating collaborating with all these different types of people. And I get to meet all sorts of different people through the things that I do for love. I love music. I love music. I love the energy that it brings, um, the connectivity to the fans. That's what's really drive, really drives me. Yeah, man. It was just so, it was like, it was a community and our community kind of just, I fell off a little bit because obviously Turk can't throw mad minds. We can't do the best of Essex. And that's where we all would just like meet up and hang out and you would see all your friends. I, I remember the last mad minds I went to, I, I think it was the one you performed at. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Um, dude, it was just like a love fest. It was like, Oh, what's up? Uh, Jay Kai. What's up Turk? Like, and like uh, I talked to uh, Livy's dad, Turk's girlfriend's dad. And he told me Turk's like, so I haven't talked to Turk in a while. Turk's like selling cars now. He's like the best new sales carsman at his place. But like you said, I'm sure he wants to be throwing shows and not selling cars, you know, like, even though he's great at that. And that's what we all, we all kind of just want to get back. Like, I don't really want to perform, but I do want to come back and see you and, uh, and like see Turk and all those guys and just hang out again. Like who, who else have you been keeping up with? Um, obviously, Saman Savage, because he's my cousin. Um, I mean, keeping up, I'm keeping up with Ron Solemn, you know, the dude of the Bible, dude of the Bible. So he's, he's one, of, he's one of the people I, you know, frequently keep in touch, keep in touch with. Um, you know what? I think that's, I think that's it. Because, yeah. because this, I mean, me and Duan, Joy, I'm not sure I heard. 
Well, you know oh, Duan. He's that guy in blue. He was that. <laughs> I can't say what the actual song says, but right, right, right. <laughs> but um, he and I have been talking, and we're hopefully gonna get coffee or something at some point to catch up. So I think it's a matter of artists reaching out to artists, not just for the sake of music, but for the sake of a. Do you want to go get a coffee, or do you want to get lunch? Or do you want to do something on Saturday night? That's yeah. in the rules of quarantine. In the rules of quarantine. Yeah, it's 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 not just us. It's everyone. Comedians are going through it. People that are working from home are going through it. And I think working from home is is how things sh- pretty much should be. But you do get a social connection when you work at an office. And what have you been doing? Have you been working at an office or from home? Uh, I've been working from home since March. Oh, and lucky. <laughs> how's that lucky? I liked I, I I liked working from home because I feel I feel like I got more work done and I could also do stuff at home at the same time. It's like I can do my laundry and then no one's bothering me, so I can really focus on my work. Or let's do I, a podcast. I'm the opposite. When I'm at home. It's usually like my place of comfort for me to relax. I don't want to think about work when I'm at home. Mm. So I prefer to be in the office more than any more than anything. With my firm that I that I work for, we have, you know, contemplating on when we're coming back to the office. And unfortunately that's not gonna be for a while. It's really just a matter of keeping keeping people safe. Right. All right. I, I was just in Texas and I was, I, uh, I got, I got tested and I went to this mall in Houston. Right. Uh, brother, I was getting so mad at people. It's so embarrassing. I was getting really mad at people because they, so many people were not wearing masks. And I was just like, I was like storming through the, I was storming through the mall and this one dude without his mask on was like, calm down, big fella. It was really funny. <laughs> but Dude, so many people don't care about other people, and I know you can't control what other people do, but it, it's like, can we have a little more empathy for each other? You don't wear the mask for you. You wear it for other people. No, I, no, I completely agree. Um, I got tested in May, and it actually turns out to be positive. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, I got tested positive for corona. So, I mean, I'm negative now. But when I was tested positive, it was a huge scare. Um, my, I had to self-quarantine in my parents' house. But this was all before I moved out of my parents' out of my parents' house. So it's it was coronavirus should not be taken lightly. We're technically still in this pandemic, although a lot of stuff is starting to reopen now. Like you know, the governor Phil Murphy, he liter- he literally opened the movie theaters, the gyms. And indoor dining is now an option. Yeah, I just ate indoors yesterday. It was weird. It was really weird. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it was. So, all right. I see you got the NBA jersey on. So, you big sports guy? I don't think we've ever talked about that. I don't really know anything about sports. I am a basketball. I am a basketball person. So, one thing that you might see me doing performing is play, is playing or performing in a basketball. In a basketball jersey. I yeah, I'm excited. So what's going on with the NBA? I don't I don't know a lot about NBA. I really only watch pro wrestling, as you know, and UFC. So 
I don't really keep up with a lot of sports world. What's going on in the NBA? Who's your team? Let's talk about that because I never get to talk sports on here. Okay. Well, um, my team is the Los Angeles Lakers. And right now the NBA is currently in the playoffs. Um, the Lakers, they're in the quarterfinals. Um, for, right, for right now, everyone's talking about, you know, the Miami Heat, Miami Heat right now and the Bucks. Um, not a big fan of either either teams. I really don't keep up with the NBA, NBA as much, but I remember the good old times when you have all these when NBA was just fun to fun to watch. Like you get players like Allen Iverson, Vince Carter, um, the one the jersey I'm wearing right now. Um, but I still keep up with current NBA stuff, um, the NBA players like Steph Curry, Draymond Green, LeBron James. So, you know, it's something that I love. Basketball is a sport that I love. It's my family sport. So it's a great way, it's a great way for me to break the ice. That is, that's, that's a great way to, yeah, a great way to look at it. That's what a lot of hobbies are. They're just really great ways to break the ice and enter into a community. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, the good old days, because I was never a huge basketball fan. Uh, per se, but I remember the good old days and basketball is one of those sports. It's not like, like high school or amateur wrestling or, or like lacrosse. It's a sport. If you don't know anything about it, you can watch it. And it's so fun to watch. I remember watching the Lakers versus the Celtics with like LeBron and Kobe and Paul Pierce and I, and Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. And like, that was just a good good series of games it was so fun to watch it was so fun to get into and I didn't watch any games prior to that uh but you're also a big wrestling fan and that's something we both kind of know more about how, how have you liked wrestling with no fans it takes the fun out of the experience because the chance you know that really gets me my favorite part about being you know seeing WWE is the chance because the WWE universe takes over like You've seen, like, you've seen shows where people, wrestlers have to go off script because a lot of the wrestler, a lot of the fans, they would just keep chanting and chanting. They would literally take over the show. And so when that is taken out of the equation, it's less exciting, less fun to watch. That's so true. Yeah, you, you don't realize how much the fans are part of the show until they're gone. I remember Elias, he was doing a promo and people were doing the, you know, the CM Punk, CM Punk. Punk. And he's, yeah, and he's like, I'll wrestle him too. And, and, you know, Shane McMahon, I think they were chanting, uh, I think they were chanting for Kofi Kingston and he's like, duly noted. And it was just nice to see that interaction. I, I like that they're having the wrestlers around the ring. But there is something less organic about that because they're members of the company. Like, it, it's nicer to see people who are objectively looking at the product, not as a part of it with less of a bias, saying what's on their mind, saying things like, holy shit, saying things like, what the fuck? You know, it's just more fun that yeah, way. Yeah. Um, so have you been watching All Elite Wrestling? I have not watched AEW. I'm strictly WWE. Um, I might consider watching it knowing that John Moxley is champion right 
chapter right now, and I'm a huge fan of um, of of him. But overall, it's I'm just very busy with work in my music career. I just really don't watch TV all that much. Yeah, me too. I because I've been doing this podcast a lot, and I've been writing and reading. I just think when you get older, you watch less TV. I sold my TV. I sold my Xbox. I don't. I don't need it. It's like a distraction, you know, like yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to forgive yourself when you're, and look, you should have time to hang out kind of like we're doing now and do other things, but it's hard to forgive yourself when you know that you're domesticating yourself, you're giving yourself out, you're making excuses for yourself. And it's easier to do that when you have things that are addicting around you, like video games and television and Netflix. Right. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about you, your background, um, your music, like how you got started in music and then the hurdles you had to overcome getting to where you are now, where people know who you are and people come to your shows and like hearing you perform. Absolutely. Um, for those who don't know, I was diagnosed with PDD NOS, um, which is which stands for pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified, which is a mild form of autism. And I also have ADHD. And during my, and during my, um, well, my current years now, I was also diagnosed with depression. And with, and with that being said, my, um, I had to face a lot of difficulties um, growing up. As a matter of fact, when neurologists came to evaluate me when I was two, um, the neurologist told my mom based on her evaluation that I would never go to college, that I would never attend a regular school, that I would need special ed all my life, that my mom and dad, they're gonna have to support me every single day of my life. Like I'll never be independent, I'll never be an adult like, like the man I am now. So, um, but my mom and dad, they believed in God. They believed in progress. And with that being said, they got the help that I needed. If it was speech therapy, um, psychological therapy, any, any of that was helpful because the progress that I made, uh, my transition out of my special ed classroom to a regular classroom, um, I got my master's degree in accounting from Fairleigh Dickinson University, bachelor's and master's. Um, the list goes on, on and on. Um, people just gave me labels as giving labels growing up. And, you know, I was bullied, I was teased. I was, you know, it was a hard life. Um, growing up, growing up with everything that I overcame, but I do believe in progress, and I do believe in support, and the amount of love and support I got from my parents and from my community, my church, my friends, um, that helped me a lot. Yeah, I really think you should write a book, man, because you have a really amazing story. I, the fact that the neurologist said you'd never, 
you'd never go to college and now you have your master's degree is like incredible. Like, yeah, I mean, you really should be proud of who you are. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on because people really, one, like I love talking to you and two, people need to know your story because there's people out there. And then this is why I like, it's great to see you perform because after, you know, you perform, you quiet everyone down, everyone shuts up and listens to you. Um, if, if you've never seen Be Able perform, he, he has a great set. And then at the end, he's, he usually says something inspirational. It's really nice and people really like to hear it. Um, but you got to write a book, man, because you have so much knowledge and experience and you went through way more than the average person's gone through and the stuff that you had to overcome physically, verbally, emotionally, everything. It's just incredible. And, you know, how, how have you been able, to, you know, you've had a good support system, but I, I want to know too, like internally, how have you had to deal with that and how have you been able to manage the, the insurmountable amount of stress that you've had as compared to a lot of other people? Well, one, one thing that helped a lot was music. And um, I listened to a whole bunch of music, um, hip hop, R&B, funk, jazz, you name it. Music was just there. It was my best friend. Um, when I was 10 years old, I picked up the clarinet and I just started playing, started playing instruments. I played in my school band in middle school. I switched the bass clarinet and, um, and that was a fun thing. And middle school, I also picked up the tenor sax and recently, um, soprano sax. And with all the music adventures that I've had, it really brought um, an escape. Music was like an escape for me as a kid. Because with music, you don't hear autism. You don't hear ADHD. All you hear is me. All you hear is us all you hear is the melody like it or like it or hate it i mean that's what really music is an expression of someone's self and i think that expression really helped me a lot because it showed me that i can be creative that i can be you know anything that i want to be that was the most beautiful thing i've ever heard anyone say that was amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I love that. Like you don't, and what interests me is you, you play all these instruments. You're so uh, multi, multifaceted in, in what you're able to do. Uh, and with the ADHD, did you find it was harder to learn a whole bunch of different instruments or did that kind of ease the ADHD and give you something to focus on? Because uh, for instance, I know when people have a stutter, sometimes they can sing without a stutter. Um, but the, when they talk, they stutter a lot. So was it like that with ADHD and your music and, you know, depression and music? No, actually, switching, picking up instruments really depends on, really depends on um, the experience that you have with the instrument and um, the familiarity of the instruments. Clarinet to saxophone is actually a very easy switch because they're in the same key. Clarinet to tenor saxophone, they're in the same key. Um, there are the, the fingerings, similar. Um, they're both woodwind instruments. Um, the only different difference is that it really expresses a lot of embouchure. 
you have to drop your jaw a lot to get to um, those high notes and low and low notes. But all that just takes time and practice. And um, I mean, it's not like saxophone to trumpet. That is a hard switch because you're talking about moving from a woodwind instrument to a complete brass instrument. But yeah. even then, a switch like that takes practice. Yeah, it's like sometimes when, because like if you don't play music, you don't understand how, um, some people don't understand how easy it is if, if, if the instrument's in the same key in the same family. Because I play guitar, but when you play guitar, you know how to play bass already because they're the same instrument essentially. Uh, I also know how to play piano. They're the same instrument and ukulele a little bit. They're all string instruments. And um, I think except for the ukulele, really, they're all in the same key. So it's not that hard of a switch, but it does sound cooler when you're like, yeah, I can play this instrument and this instrument and this and this and this and this. So for people, it is great that you like we play like multitude of things, but you know, that's a good thing for people to hear. If you're looking to get into music, um, if you're really looking to expand your musical knowledge, you, you should play a bunch of different instruments either in the same key or within the same family because you'll learn more about music and then you'll also broaden your range of what you can play for other people. So if someone needs a bassist, you can be like, hey, I also know how to play bass because I also played guitar and it's just good to do that kind of thing. I completely agree. And the reason and playing multiple instruments gives me a lot more, um, gives me a lot more breadth of what I can really do like with my bass clarinet, I can play in a symphony orchestra. I can play in a concert band. With my saxophone, I can play in a jazz band. I can do more contemporary, contemporary music. With my soprano sax, I can, you know, really make, I can have a more vocal range. So I can play songs that I can't play on tenor. What was, I, uh, I remember the, did you, I forget what show it was. You played the, for an avatar, what instrument do you play? You play the clarinet, right? No, that was the soprano saxophone. Oh, it was? Because you, sw I remember you were rapping and then you started playing it. What was the reaction the first, like, how did it feel the first time? Because I know when you did that, everyone went crazy at Mad Mind. So how did it feel to you to do both, like, start rapping and then switch it up to the, to the sax and then see people just go insane at how cool it was? I'm used to it, actually. <laughs> uh, when I, whenever I bring out the saxophone, whenever I bring out any instrument, rather, during my shows, people are always so fascinated by it because they, they just don't know that that's coming because they, they think that, oh, I'm just an ordinary rapper. No, I am not an ordinary rapper. I play an instrument as well and and when I and when I do bring it out and the melody sounds it just fascinates me how people you know react react to that and I think that's the new that's the new wave you're seeing it with all these I mean they rock and rap aren't even separate anymore I mean Samad was saying this to me years ago when we went on tour but rock and rap are essentially the same genre now MGK is now doing like pop punk but it's also got you know like new rap in it and XXX Tentacion was doing it, Lil Peep. Uh, 
you know, that, that song Three Nights by Dominic Fike, they're fusing into like one genre. So is R&B. And, and the idea of genres is kind of going away. And we're kind of, what I really like about this, and maybe, I, you know, I'd like to hear your perspective, is we're just, we're not seeing rappers anymore. We're not seeing rockers anymore or pop artists. We're just seeing musicians. And that's the way I feel like it should be. I agree. And not just musicians, but artists like real, real artists that are coming out doing their, own, doing their own thing. And that's ideally what it should be. We're, I mean, the age of rappers, rockers, bands, all that stuff, it's still there. Like genres are still there, but I am waiting to the day until we can combine it all. Because now we're starting to see, you know, a lot of stars, coming together to create something awesome, like um, Lil Nas and Billy Ray Cyrus. You have a rap star and a country star coming together to make something like a really, really good hit. Too Sweet, for example, <laughs> that, that was a rock, that, had, that was a rap song, but it had so much good punk rock vibes in it. That just made it a good, made it a good song. Yeah, and that's what I did with um, like American soundtrack and the songs on that EP. I, I was just trying to I was trying to fuse stuff from the 1950s like doo-wop, rockabilly themes with with pop punk. And I and you know Tom Jacob is like the best engineer in the state. If you guys don't know Tom <laughs> Jacob. He he's produced songs that have been a 97.1. He with Ethan Ross, uh, Cocaine. One of his songs that he produced with Ethan uh, Katana has like a million streams. He just produced a song with Chris Patrick, which is going to be on the next 2K game. He's killing it, and he, he's produced a lot of stuff for me and uh, Be Able. Uh, but yeah, and like like his production is very pop, hip hop based. So there, there's so many things coming together. You see so many more musicians playing instruments now, which is so great, and singing. And yeah, like I was thinking Lil Nas X before you said it because that's a perfect example. His album, when it came out, his EP7, people were saying how like every other song was a different genre, like Rodeo and Panini. Panini, one of the co-writers of Panini is technically Kurt Cobain because the interpolation of Say to Me, it's very similar to In Bloom. Uh, people don't know this either. I mean, this is insane. Trent Reznor from the Nine Inch Nails technically co-wrote um, Old Town Road that instrumental is from a Nine Inch Nails song. So Trent Reznor has a number one song because, and, and, and it's country, it's pop, it's rap, it's technically alternative grunge because of Trent Reznor's influence. And music's right. kind of just coming together. Genres were created by marketers to be like, well, people in the South will like it if we call it country. People over here will like it if we call it rock. Music is music, it's harmony, it's melody. And that's, what, that's what's so fun about the shows. You know, it's so many different types of people coming together, but we all really like the same thing. And that's why, that's why you know, you could go to a show and like you could play with your saxophone. Someone would come up with a guitar. Someone could sing an R&B song. We'd have a bunch of rappers and people would just want to connect. Sometimes it was really fake. Sometimes people, people would be like, yo, we got to collab. Not meaning it, but at, least, <laughs> but at least the spirit was there. Exactly. And... That was just, and that just amazes me about, about how music can really impact our lives because we learn so much through music. Um, we connect through music. Um, 
you know, I really think that music is very important. That's why I really want, maybe in the future, once I'm really, you know, up there, to create like funding for schools to keep the music programs going so that the future generation, we can keep that music going. Yeah, we need it there. We need, we need kids, especially now, because people are in like pseudo quarantine, like things are open again now. But I think people need an expression because we have the school system that's so Prussian and archaic and kids don't, you know, we're turning our children into machines when they should be humans. I I 100% agree with that. So Brayton, I got to ask, um, because a lot of people don't know. Uh, so what, what, what is it like living with autism? Like, how do you perceive things different than people without autism would? That's a very, very good question. And well, first and foremost, I'm mildly autistic. So, so for right, so for right now, um, I just have a different perspective for people. Some, some may see the glass as half full. I could probably see it as half empty. Some people can look at things, say it's a joke, where I sometimes can take it very seriously. It just, it's just a matter of how we see things. Mm. Now, do I agree with people on their perspectives? Of course. But it's not, but it's not um, to the extent that I disagree with them completely, because I try to see things from all angles of life. Um, for the autism, you know, living with aut living with autism, I try not to let it define me. You know, I see myself as not just as not a person who has disability or two disabilities rather, because I'm ADHD, but I see myself as a human being. Mm. A human being who has feelings, who has objectives, that wants to make something for himself. Yes, I have challenges, but everyone else has too. You're so goddamn smart, damn it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I like how you said that. Like autism really is a spectrum. You have a mild form. And you know, you and I, and I have, you and I have talked a lot, and a lot of times, you, what you hear is um, a lot of times people with autism don't understand sarcasm. But you have a mild form, and you and me have talked. I've, I've known you to understand sarcasm when I use it. And is it really just like picking certain things up, and sometimes not picking things up? Just because as someone who, who's not autistic, it's a little harder for me to understand. And I want people out there to be able to understand each other better. I I agree. Understanding each other um, is the key. And one thing, one thing for sure is that, you know, someone with autism may be a little bit, maybe slow to speak. Um, the autism spectrum, if I were to draw, is like a line. It's like a color line, like from white all the way to black, where um, the white represents the high end of the autism spectrum, where you wouldn't even notice, like, if they have, like, any difficulty. 
but then you have kids on the black end of the spectrum where you can see a difference. Like you can definitely see something that is like not wrong with them, but just has challenges. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of visibility. Uh, you and I have both struggled with depression, like clinical depression. And I, so I, I, that's the one, like that's something I can really relate to you on. That's the same thing. A lot of, a lot of, um, way, a lot of the ways that people are is a spectrum, whether it's sexuality, uh, disability, mental illness. So like depression, for example, you know, there's that old, that old kind of, uh, I guess you could call it an axiom you know, someone could be smiling all the time, like Chester Bennington, and you not really know that they're depressed. And then other times people are very open about their depression. And it's a spectrum of colors. And I like that you said that because colors don't just go from left to right, they can also go from like up to down to diagonal. And you just never know how someone's dealing with something, which is why you, you know, it, there's no, and I heard Joey Diaz talking about this, if someone like beeps at you in a car and they give you the middle finger, you never know what that person's going through. There's no reason to get mad at them because the reason they're mad at you, my friend Nick Sex said this beautifully and he's been on this podcast before. When someone's mad at you, they're not just mad at you. They're mad at, they're mad at everything that they've went through that's led them to think that they're mad at you. So we need to, it's hard because we're humans. So how do you think we can I just, I would love, I, I want to, hear your opinions on this because I know you'll give me something profound and give the people something profound. When someone approaches us with something abrasive or ignorant, how can we take a step back and try to give people empathy when maybe we feel like they don't deserve it? Giving empathy when people don't deserve it? Well, I think the first thing we ought to do is pray for them, hoping that they will see the, see the light um, praying that, you know, that guy will open their eyes to the truth. And that's the first step. The second step is just, I like this phrase, killing them with kindness, so to speak. Mm. Because it's one, it's natural for you, like, to want to have, like, some sort of, you know, revenge or like you want to attack back but you always want to be calm you want to be as relaxed and open-minded as you possibly can be because i mean yeah we could show no sympathy but the world right now needs more empathy so it's hard. It's definitely hard when you just want to fight, when you want to show no sympathy, no empathy, but people need, people need empathy. And it's our responsibility as humans to show it and give it yeah and it's it's hard it's really sad it's a i say this quote this phrase a lot it's a consequence of modernity we have anonymity on social media it's easy to just attack someone and not see their face 
but I'll share this with you and a lot of the viewers. And if you're listening, if you've been listening to the show from the beginning, you've heard this before, because I think Alexis Thomas told me this. If you're mad at somebody, think about them as a child, right? Like if you, if you think about the person you're mad at as a child and just like an angry innocence, not that you should be condescending, but kind of just see that there's true innocence within everybody and that some parts of you just never grow up. It's almost impossible to be mad at someone when you really, truly, like we talked about, we were talking about empathy, but what empathy really means to me is stepping into someone else's shoes and realizing I could be in that position too. I wouldn't want someone to react angrily back to me. I would want someone to be understanding and actually listen, not just stand in front of me and say things like, you feel better, you'll be okay. Or like, what's wrong with you? Actually listen. Um, it's in Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Sometimes when people are mad at you, you just got to let them go, shake your head yes. And I think probably like eight, nine times out of 10, they'll be like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been acting that way. Yep, I think you hit it right on the head with, um, you know, em with empathy. Being in another person's shoes is hard. And sometimes as humans, we need to practice what we preach. We need to be aware of what we're putting out there on social media. So I personally, personally think in my opinion that we need to do better as a race. Yeah. How, how do you think we should go about doing that? Like what, what are, what are some practices we can apply? I ask big questions on here. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I appreciate you asking me all these big questions, big questions, because this is something that is helpful. I mean, the very first thing is just to ask yourself, how would that other person feel if you made that comment? Or how would it make you feel knowing that you could have destroyed the other person's life? So, and I do believe in full, actions speak louder than words. Sometimes unfollowing someone, unfriending someone could ruin a person's day and they just don't know. Sometimes, I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't because obviously we have all of our reasons why, but the thing is, we have to think before we act. Right. If, and if we really mean when we say that mental health is just as important as physical health, think about that. You could, like you said, you can ruin someone's life just by doing something minor that could hurt their feelings out of, out of malevolence, right? Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't send a tornado to someone's house to kill them but you're basically doing that mentally when you say something horrific to somebody. Exactly. Yeah. You're, 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 you're invoking chaos into somebody's life. What, and really what's the difference between the physical world and the, and the mental world? They're, they're one and the same. They exist because of each other. They exist within and in of each other. So we really, I guess, I guess a way to do that is to cultivate this when kids are young we didn't talk about mental health when you and I were kids in school. It's just something we didn't talk about. They didn't teach us that in class. They didn't say, 
people get depressed and you have to understand that people didn't say people get anxious and you have to understand that and things at home might be making you anxious. They, they just need to, that's one of the things that needs to change about our education system is per, helping our youth become more empathetic as they get older. And I think that'll solve a lot of our problems. I think it will, I think it will too, just having mental health awareness, like not just as um, a topic for, you know, adults to learn, but children need to learn too. And I'm grateful that during my education, I was, you know, speaking about, speaking about how to really stand up for yourself. Um, it's funny. In um, elementary school, we have this like no more bullies program that just teaches kids that, you know, it's not okay to um, harass people. It's not okay to really ruin someone else's day. I mean, I just feel like as a species, we need to be more sympathetic. We need to be more empathetic. We need to be more thoughtful. I feel like that portion of rationalization between human beings has just gone away. Like think that, you know, we're just attacking people left and right until the day, until the job is done. I mean, it's, I mean, when you're angry, like a hundred angry, it's like you're out of control. Mm. We need more self-control. And I think that in the age of social media, social media, we just miss that. We need that more. Absolutely. And control is incredibly important, especially since we're not living the way that we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live in groups of 300 people. We're in a group of 7 billion people because of the internet. Brayton, you've been an amazing guest. I love you, brother. I'm glad to talk to you again. Um, please, if where people can find your music, your Spotify, your social media, website, all that stuff, this is your time to plug whatever you want. All right. Um, my Instagram is official one That is official one On Spotify, you can find me at BeAble, SoundCloud, BeAble, um, Snapchat, VBeAble. Um, yeah, basically almost Twitter, BeAble. You can find me out there, BeAble Official. So, Alas, I have social media platforms. Um, if anyone has any questions about anything that we've talked about, um, my line is always open. Um, and they just need to talk. They just need to talk to me about anything music-wise, emotional stuff, stress. I'm always willing to sit down, sit down and talk. An amazing guy and Brit. Uh... Be able, sorry, I almost keep saying your real name. I don't know if it's okay or not, but uh, before, we, before we sign off, I ask all my guests the same thing. I would like you to leave our audience, our listeners, with a book or a quote that you really love. One quote. <laughs> 
Do not let anything or anyone define who you are and what you can do. Thank you very much. Everybody, this has been Be Able. Please listen to all of his music. It's on Spotify and iTunes, right? Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, um, Dizier Radio, Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music. It's out there. It's on all the things. So go listen to Be Able's music, please. He's really talented. Uh, he has a lot of interesting songs like Definition, Avatar, Too Sweet, which I am on. Follow him on social media. And thanks. Goodbye, everybody. See you later. Goodbye. Bye, guys.